Welcome to Identity of Health. My name is Matt Rowe, the founder of Identity of Health, a certified health coach who was diagnosed with MS and found that MS was the greatest gift ever handed to me. If you are looking for inspiration and motivation, you are in the right place. During each episode, we are going to hear inspiring stories from those that have gone on to live incredible lives after they have been diagnosed with the disease, along with meeting those that are healing others and improving their patients' lives. Now come join me for your dose of inspiration. Welcome everybody, and I have the pleasure of having Mary Collins on the show today. Mary Collins will soon be 62 and has been happily a wife, mother, and community volunteer for the past 21 years. She has a degree in business administration, marketing and economics, and she loves hiking, regenerative gardening, and is a lifelong learner. What fascinated me about Mary and why I had brought Mary on the show, being that she's just a wonderful soul, is that for the last 25 years, Mary has kept her MS symptoms at bay with using diet, meditation, healthy living, and truly being an incredible soul. So welcome, Mary, to the show today. Thanks, Matt. It's really great to be here. It is when we met, it was through Facebook and I was starting to connect with more people with MS through Facebook and that type of stuff. And I saw you posting and commenting to my posts. And the minute I saw some of the things that you said, I was like, wow, this is an enlightened soul of somebody that truly thinks differently about not just this disease, but the world in whole. So if you could help us out, could you tell us your story and let us know how you have thrived with MS over the past 25 years with no medication? Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been a little reluctant to get into you know, social media and interviews, that kind of thing, but you really put me at ease and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Um, when I was 36 and single and involved in a business career that required a lot of travel, was pretty stressful. I had an ocular neuritis episode begin and within a day, I realized I needed to go to my regular eye doctor and get it checked out. That person couldn't help me and sent me immediately on to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Medical Center for a, you know, a neurological exam, basically, eye and neurological exam. So I got a very quick diagnosis, which was kind of a blessing. Then I did an MRI that night. And uh, then Monday, I had the session with the two neurologists who said, yes, we are suspecting, believing you have MS. And so uh, I had about a week before a big international trade show trip to destination Finland via Sweden and Norway. And so um, they offered me steroids and I declined them. And, you know, I just left and said, well, guys, I'm going to heal from this. And, you know, they were somewhat skeptical, mm -hmm. but kind. And, you know, off I went. 
Wow. I mean, 1995, the drugs that were available in 1995 and really the, what they're doing today with MS is completely different than how they address it in 1995. And it's interesting that they offered steroids. For right. Well, they just, they offered, and they still do that for, you know, flares or optic sure. neuritis. I, I read many people who are getting, you know, steroids. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I had a really unusual experience because from 1990, 1982, excuse me, to 1987, I lived with a BSN registered nurse who had MS, who'd had MS for a few years. And by the time I came to be her non-medical aide, she had been, you know, required to sit on a cart or in a chair, couldn't walk, stand, and she'd had a pretty serious surgery for a pressure sore on a hip. Okay. So um, I had, you know, kind of a, an immersion into assisting her with the bathing, uh, with a catheter for her, you know, ability to urinate with uh, right. other things. And I really got to see all the medications she was taking and kind of her mental approach. And in five years, you can imagine, we became you know, pretty close. We were living together every day. Yeah. And I started you know, probably within six months or so really doing a lot of research because I was curious about her situation. You know, is this the only way to go? And um, of course she was not receptive to anything I had to say. Mm. Um, didn't do physical therapy believed that the diet would make no difference at all, took uh, various medications for spasticity, mm -hmm. pain for, you know, all the different kinds of things that people with MS have. Mm -hmm. So I kind of made the decision right there and then, you know, and I had no reason to believe it would, but if anything like this ever happens to me, I'm certainly going to do it differently. Mm. So that is kind of a blessing because it gave me an introduction into what if, and so when I met with those neurologists, I wasn't going in completely uninformed. Right. I, I had something to relate back to and say, no, that's not for me. You know, I'm going to go home. I'm going to continue the research and I'm going to make some, some changes that I hope will help me. That is amazing. And it's interesting how the universe brought you in to live with this woman that had MS almost knowing that down the road, you were going to be crossed with this. So you had said something that I really want to dig a little deeper into is that when you went into the doctors and they said the MS diagnosis, it sounds like you accepted it and well, they, moved on past it. They were able to show me, you know, the lesions. And again, sure. the technology then was different than now, but they didn't do the various, you know, injections to supposedly see better, but mm -hmm. they really see that there were many lesions mm -hmm. and some of them they said were probably old and had been there a long time and you know some seem to be active now and probably mm -hmm. related to the ocular neuritis but um you know i knew about beta seron i knew about a few things just because i kind of heard i used to do ms walks all the time as a just to kind of help out the ms society sure and um you know so i kind of kept up to date when i would go every year on what they were doing uh, but again, I had no reason to think it would ever affect me personally. So I was just trying to help out other people. That is, it's, your story fascinates me because you look at the path at which you went, you went from 
you know, somebody that was helping somebody out with MS, going to MS walks, you were definitely in the society to some degree, the MS, this was not a new term for you, you had done the research, and you had walked down that road. So after you had been diagnosed, and did you go on the trip to Finland? I did. So we, you know, had to take off within a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, we flew from North Carolina to uh, an airport in Sweden. We, and as you probably know, there are a lot of cases of MS in Scandinavia. Yep. And Swedish hosts, who were also business colleagues, or he was, spouse was not, knew about uh, the situation. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, trying to sort of, oh, everything's going to be okay and whatnot. But I could tell that they personally had known enough people with MS that they weren't mm-hmm. feeling too optimistic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I still had the sort of what I call fogged up or shower in the shower type of situation, my left eye. So it affected mm-hmm. some extent, but I was otherwise, you know, okay. And I really had to get through this, this business trip because we'd planned it for years and I was the only person who could be there with my colleague to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I almost, I had a really interesting experience, which I, I call my three hit rule that I'd like to tell you about briefly. Yes. Northern please. Sweden, we need to drive to Oslo. And because it's not, you know, from a major city, we're going on fairly minor highways. Mm-hmm. And the boss of our host was a former curator of an historic area museum. Okay. And she pointed to the right side of the road and said, oh, that's a manor house. It was a kind of a famous style of farm home that we had. And, it, you know, it's featured on a lot of our artwork. And and uh, I said, oh, well, what did they grow there? And she said, oh, flax. And, you know, I suppose they had some cows and this and that. But okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was so, somewhat preoccupied, but I'm also trying to engage with these folks. So then we get to Oslo and we, we stop there and have the night over. And then the next day, she says, well, since they're going to go to an auction and do some other things, why don't you and I take a little tour? She showed me all the major points of interest of that part of Oslo and took me to um, a handcraft place that does knitting and weaving and it's to showcase the sort of crafts of Norway. Mm-hmm. So the door and the woman is fluent in English of course as everybody there is and she says well hello where are you from and I say I'm from the United States and my friend says in Norwegian that she's from Sweden mm-hmm. and then she's oh I'm so sorry to tell you you know you're probably looking for our traditional Norwegian woolen, you know, things that you might be thinking you'll see. We are not having those right now. We have a special exhibit and it's a uh, flax and linen. I said, okay, no worries. Well, we, you know, we assured her that we like right. to see things and we looked at the exhibit. And uh, then uh, fast forward to, I'm back in the United States about at that point, a month later, and I go into my local food co-op natural food store, and there's a big display about flaxseed oil. 1995 was coming on the scene for heart health and other things. So I sort of stood there for a moment and thought, okay, that's three hits on flax. Yes. Read this brochure and check this thing out. 
And I did. And I ended up leaving the store with a bottle of, you know, cold pressed flaxseed oil. Sure. But I did my research too. And I found out that, hey, you know, this might be good because maybe I'm having a problem with fatty acid assimilation. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm lacking in omega-3 fats. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that must have been the cure. You know, how many tablespoons of flaxseed oil do I need to take? And, and you know, and it's not about that. It's just about the process that yes. I was listening to the unseen forces. And I decided yes. Yes. to delve into the science to see yes. if it makes sense and then do it. I love how you say the three hits. Um, I do something similar. I'll see, um, I'll get hit with the two by four is what I call it. <laughs> and so, and it's those moments that the, the act that you were aware enough and paying attention that when you saw the field and they mentioned, oh, they're growing flax and, and linolin, was that correct? Linen and then, and flax. Yeah. yeah. Lin, and then you go to um, this, you know, the museum and she mentions flax and then you go back to your health food store and they mention flax that is really paying attention and listening. So that, you know, oftentimes I'll say, you know, slowing down and listening to those moments within that are just all around you that are being presented to yourself. So the flax oil worked for you. Well, I can't say that it was the only thing that I did, but probably was a bit of a jump start because I would, you know, a couple tablespoons a day, Mm -hmm. You don't heat or cook with that. You just mm-hmm. eat it on a salad or right. something chilled or cold, warm temp at least. And, you know, it, see, it seemed to be beneficial, but that was just the first of you know, many, many things that yes. you know, I discovered along the way. And I pretty much figured out from reading other books about people who had from other things mm-hmm. that um, I wanted to avoid inflammatory food. So yeah. I ated, you know, the gluten, most of the grain. Mm-hmm. sugar of course the processed foods um and dairy yeah and eliminating dairy was big for me because i noticed a lot of improvements in things that i had dealt with my whole life and sort of thought were normal you know waking mm-hmm. up a little congested or the sort of mucusy thing that would go yeah. on. and that was just gone isn't that crazy? Like how your body, you know, handles that. But then once again, being aware of how you feel. So you, at some point, you didn't know how good you could feel before you gave up dairy, where you kind of just took it for granted. And you're like, oh, this is just the way it is. This is just, this is just me. This is how I feel. But then as you eliminated that, you're, you started to realize it sounds like, oh, wow, look at how good I can feel through this. And that took you down and you peeled another layer of the proverbial onion off and just tried something else and being like, well, if that worked would this work and would this work and sound like you almost turned yourself into an experiment to see how good you could feel. Yep. I did. And I was also, the other thing I want to touch on is oftentimes I see people ask the question, you know, am I going to maybe feel worse or am I going to have more mm. symptoms before I feel better? And I think that's one of the most important things to let people know from my experience. It, I would say it took me a year to get to the point where I would wake up every morning confident that I'm not going to have any symptoms today. I'm not going to have fatigue. 
And there were sort of cycles that I would go through. At one point I did, you know, what was then a candida cure type of, pretty restrictive. I had a sense that although I didn't have UTIs or any other symptoms, maybe that was a factor. And, um, you know, there was a lot of detoxing involved with that because Mm -hmm. I was taking herbal supplements, I was drinking a lot of herbal teas. And so I got flu-like symptoms more than once. Usually they only lasted a couple of days, but it seemed to, you know, make the fatigue worse. I had balance issues. I had vertigo issues. And, you know, again, I'm not saying to anyone, don't consult your neurologist, but I didn't go running every time and say, oh, I have a symptom. I want to sit. I just kind of trusted that it was part of a process. Mm-hmm. And I like how you mentioned detoxification and through the detoxification process. Yeah. You can start second guessing the decisions that you had made. How important do you think your mindset was during this period? I think it's the number one factor. You know, I'm, I've tried to write a memoir or some kind of book about healing probably every couple of years for 25 years. And the time wasn't right. I see now. And of course, mm-hmm books started to come out like Dr. Terry Walls and mm-hmm. of course there's the best bet diet. And there are a lot of great things out there that didn't exist when I was doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to leave the medicine to the medical community to handle and the science to the scientists. But I think the story that I want to tell is about um, a process and a mindset. And so mm-hmm. if you believe as I did, and as I vocalized to those neurologists, you know, I don't know how, but I'm going to heal from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's powerful message to yourself that Mm -hmm. tipping yourself off. Hey, you know, we're on a healing journey here. Yep. And just like climbing a mountain, it's not always easy, but you just keep taking one step in front of the other. So you mentioned your book. Now you and I have talked about that a little bit before and you started writing again. Have you not? I have, and I've been quite prolific, if I may say so. I've been writing every day, and I have you and other people are kind of keeping me on track because I set a target of my 62nd birthday, which is April 5th, to have the, you know, the final rough draft finished. Mm-hmm. There will be extensive bibliography, and I'm going to try to share everything I can about you know, every resource that I've used, every book, every person you know, that I think has something to contribute. Right. Would you want to read us a little bit of it? Well, thanks for asking. I've just written this chapter today, and it's not something, oops, did I make a mistake here? Sorry. No, you're good. No, and Mary, while you're looking that up, I was fascinated when you had sent me um, the first part of it, it was called Sledgehammer. Right. And it was just a really just profound, beautiful story. And so this is where I get excited about um, Mary finishing this book, because I know that this type of encouragement that goes out there into the community is priceless. That for those of us with MS, to hear stories like yours and realize, yes, there is hope. Yes, I need to detox. Yes, this is not going to be a, like a magic pill journey I take the pill and hope it works. This is a, no, I'm taking my life into my own hands and I'm taking my health into my own hands and not eating foods that have toxins in it, having a positive mindset. Thanks a lot for that 
feedback. And my objective really is, first of all, to help and support other people, because I remember how alone I felt. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't a lot out there. And now there are a lot of resources, but I still think people find themselves, you know, second guessing and, and can I really do this? So I feel kind of a responsibility since I've had such a great life now for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I want to give back and say, yes, you can do this. Yeah. Deep down. All right. Anyway, the the chapter I've written today is entitled Forgiveness. Focus Mm -hmm. on Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. It's not about letting others off the hook but rather untying a knot that has kept you bound to each other in an unhealthy way. Only you can do forgiveness work that is needed by and for you. One of the gifts of being required to rest more during the first three to five months of my year of healing is that I had time to reflect. There were emotions and memories that came up during times of reading, contemplation, meditation, or research. Many things that I had just pushed away or down under the surface came up to rejoin me in a gasp for fresh air. Instead of submerging these uncomfortable awarenesses again, it seemed wise to listen to what they had to teach me. I now realize that every person that I had ever encountered in my life for short or long periods, when I was a child or as an adult, regardless of the nature of our relationships or interaction, was doing the best he or she could at the time. Isn't that a freeing revelation? It certainly has been for me. Oh, I love how you say um, freeing yourself and the person was doing the best they could at that time. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait till you finish it. Thank you. Well, I'm on it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And you have done such a beautiful job. I know you send me emails every once in a while. You're like, "Another, another chapter done. I got this done. And so um, I'm just really just proud of how far you've come. I guess it's sort of like, you know, the person who wants to write a novel and they've been practicing and practicing or the dancer who's been rehearsing, you know, I'm able to do it so quickly now because I've, it's been in me yes. and it's just the right time for it to come. Yep. And you are patient and not forcing it to happen. So Mary, through all of this, what is the greatest lesson you feel that you've learned? Well, I don't want to be too controversial, but I do think there's one thing I should say, and that is that there are a lot of institutions out there today that function in making a profit, and that range from agribusiness to food processing to the pharmaceutical industry. And so um, to trust that what they are providing us is in our best interest is I think as a business person, a bit naive at times, if not dangerous. And so I really became empowered, if I can just use that word, in all ways in my life. And you know, it's made me really look deeply into things and question and question why and how are these things good for me or not good for me. And then to be willing to just take the action because it's not always popular with friends or family or the general public when you do something that's pretty radical like this. Uh, So that's, I guess, I'm happy to be authentically me now 
And I'm glad that I wasn't worried about what other people thought. I just did what I thought was right for me. You pushed against the mainstream. You pushed against what doctors were probably telling you. You were pushing against what big food was telling you all the time, that our vegetables are grown in healthy soils, like everything, the beliefs that we all have. How did you break from that confidently? Well, I probably started being um, a little bit of a challenger of institutions when I was pretty young. Yes. And so um, I've never been afraid to do that. And I got very interested in food and wellness when I was 11 because I had had some issues from age six, various skin problems, really severe athlete's foot. I was a competitive swimmer. I had asthma. Um, various respiratory problems. And I also was overweight, um, you know, not seriously overweight, but just enough that it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, I just didn't feel that well often. And I had, you know, with the dairy, just, it seemed like any cold or other issue, I was, I was kind of, you know, set back. And I didn't like not being healthy. So I started delving into it then. And that probably laid the foundation so that, even though I tried to do pretty well at 36, I was traveling a lot. I was eating airplane food. I was eating restaurants. I was working late. I wasn't, you know, sleeping well. I wasn't doing good self-care. So I kind of, you know, looked back and said, well, you know, I, I need to take control of this situation and change things. Right. It sounds like you've changed a lot since MS diagnosis. I have. What do you think is the biggest change? I'm, I, I said before, authentic, but I'm mm-hmm. comfortable being me. Um, I think I, a lot of the thing around the forgiveness, you know, was kind of looking at worthiness, looking at the programming that I got growing up and, you know, trying to kind of conform, be successful, fit in. Um, and I realized those things don't matter. What, what, of course, I'm very fortunate, you know, I've been married very happily for 21 years and I have a roof over my head and you know my needs are met um but i've also had a partner in that relationship and i think the reason why we have the quality of partnership we do is because when we met each other uh, we'd each gone through our own version of this kind of experience and we knew what mattered and what we were looking for in mm-hmm. a man that is profound i is beautifully said that you essentially you found yourself through all of this, you found right. you know, that true essence of who you are, and you stopped worrying about what other people thought about you. And you really just went in with an open heart and the love that you give all the time. And it's easy for me now to say, oh, what a gift that was, because that was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that are in pain, who are suffering, who have, you know, lots of different conditions and symptoms going on. Right. And, you know, I, I can't speak for them because I haven't lived what they've lived. But I also believe that um, choosing whatever you choose with that mindset that this is what's right for me mm-hmm. is important. And when I see people in different Facebook forums talking about, I'm not getting the support from my family. My parents are telling me they want me to go on medications. My boyfriend is going to drop me. 
I, I just want to say to them, I know it's hard, but you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. Be true to you. Yep. And the, the right people will be there for you at the time when you are clear on what you're looking for, what you want to attract. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear through it yes. all. And I, it is to hear you say that it's so true, but you also make a very good point. Individuals that have MS, it's all different for all of us, but in there that you could be hurting, you could be in pain mentally, physically, stress, pain in your legs, pain in your eyes, pain in not being able to see like you used to, but know that this is a step towards yourself and truly loving and stepping into yourself more fully. That's absolutely right. And um, if we have just a minute, I have one more thing I wanted to say about help and support from people. Um, Probably because I had done, you know, HR and a lot of interviewing of people and different things, I had a sense of how you sort of utilize resources. And one of the things that was important to me was if, if I needed rides because I wasn't able to drive myself or I was fatigued and I maybe needed somebody to get something for me, mm-hmm. I had to kind of have a support group. And I used each person based on what I thought, and I want to say used, I mean utilized mm-hmm. each based on what I thought that person had to contribute or was willing or able to do. If I had a friend who had children, she could go to the supermarket and get me something because she was there anyway, Mm -hmm. but she couldn't take the whole afternoon to drive me around. Mm -hmm. And I also made a point of not using them as my uh, counselors or support group because there were times when I was crying alone in bed, and you know, Mm -hmm. listening to some motivational meditation or something, but I really needed to show them, you know, not a fake face, but Mm -hmm. a confidence that they were really offering me help because I could use it and it was going to help me be better. Mm. Well, well said. And yes, and it's not that you were asking for help all the time or like on, you know, support, you were definitely supporting yourself, but you asked for help when you needed it. You were open to accepting that help as well. So with everything, what are you focused on now, Mary? Well, I've got a lot going on locally. Mm-hmm. A very fast growing area just next to Raleigh, North Carolina. And our town has gone from about 50,000 people to 180,000 people in the last decade. Wow. And maybe more than a decade, 15 years. But um, so I work with a lot of uh, sort of environmentally oriented conscious growth groups. And I volunteer at a regenerative community garden. And we, I do a program there called kindergarten, which is for children seven and under with their parents or grandparents. Um, and I support a lot of people who make a livelihood selling regenerative agriculturally based foods in our area, ranging from mushrooms to microgreens to, you know, chicken and eggs and things like that. So that's what I'm passionate about. And that's how I spend my free time. That is awesome. And what I love, Mary, is that you're teaching kids this. You're teaching kids that our food is grown in healthy soils. 
that regenerative farming is actually how we not only protect our environment, protect our health and how we actually begin to thrive is by eating good, healthy fruits and vegetables. And from healthy soil. From I'm so glad you said that from healthy soil, because, and you know, you and I could spend four or five different podcasts on just talking about gut microbiota and healthy soils. I mean, that would, it's definitely something we share together is that whole idea that our soils are depleted in on the planet and where we get our polyphenols and that antioxidant profile within our vegetables that we so desperately need is from the soil. So if we're using chemicals to grow our food, we're getting the result of the chemical that grows our food. Now, if we allow microbes and, and organisms and healthy soils to grow our food, we're getting the benefits from that, the way that God intended, the way the universe intended for us all. So um, as we finish up, um, I am so, first off, I'm so fascinated by your story. I'm so fascinated with everything you do and everything that you have done for yourself. But through all the hardships and all the step backs and all the little things, you never stopped. You kept encouraging yourself to feel better, whether you were going through the flu through a detoxification or whether you were having another condition coming up, you kept moving. I love the quote from Confucius when he says, you may not have the entire result, just don't stop. And that's really is, is you're constantly moving forward. And anybody that's listening, that's a Confucius absolute wizard. I didn't hit that quote absolutely perfect, but you can look it up. It's a great quote from Confucian on just don't stop. And that's why I am so inspired by your story and everything that you do. So I have a couple of questions as we finish up. Okay. What is your favorite vegetable? Well, I'm going to say asparagus, and that's because it has very limited growing season. I mean, I guess I could get it 12 months a year, but I like the local stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just always been a favorite of mine. Yeah, I had it last night. It is so good in so many different ways. Um, another question, and these are questions I ask everybody as we finish up the podcast, is okay. just something so we can get to know Mary just a little bit more. Um, Mary, for you. When are you in pure joy? I would say that's probably when I'm hiking out in a natural setting and we have some wonderful parks here that have been set aside. So they're, they're kind of a natural habitat in an urban setting. Mm -hmm. And there's spot a bird or see a wildflower along the path. Um, that's just my moment to be kind of immersed in that natural setting. Cause for me, that is so healing. It's well, I mean, you're slowing down enough to see the beauty in the little things and not letting your mind race with everything that you have to do and really slowing down to see a wildflower. To and see those creatures, bird. those beings are there, you know, they, they're, they don't have to think about how to do their thing. They just mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so this last question, what do you know to be true, yet no one believes you? That's <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a tough one. 
I've been listening to a series of books written by a man named Paul Selig over the last year. And he's, he claims that these books are channeled and that the words that he writes come from, a, from guides. And I have no reason to doubt that the way it happens. And one of the things he says, or the guides say is when, I'm gonna get this right. Um, Thinking is one thing and knowing is another. And mm. I guess I've always had this sort of sentient awareness about things. And um, our son who's now 20 has it too. And so sometimes we just have a conversation and he'll say something like, mom, I told you hmm, that was the way it was because remember, or I'll say, and then now he says to me, mom, you don't have to tell me that about you. I know that when you know it, you know it. And so do mm -hmm. I. Now, my husband, his dad is not 100% always sure about it. So my answer is when I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's beautiful. Like, I mean, really is, that's right. Is you dip down intuitively and you know what is right and you know what's right within you. And that's, that's once again, that's why I love that I have met you, Mary, is that you slow down enough not to just see the birds around you and see the wildflowers and enjoy the moment of every step of, step of the hike, but you also slow down enough to listen to yourself. From the moment from like the flaxseed story and that you had talked about the three hits that you were able, that you were, you slowed down enough to take the time to listen. And with well, that, well, and yeah. we do need to be clear that, you know, uh, if anybody's into astrology, my sun sign is Aries, and my husband likes to refer to me as the bullet train. <laughs> so even though I seem very calm and patient and everything else, that hasn't always been my nature uh and so that sledgehammer was my wake-up call because i didn't respond to you know gentle urgings or tappings or nudges i i had to get the, the full whack but yeah. the gift is slowed me down uh, long enough to to really take a look at what is important and to look within and to start a meditation practice and to do all the other things that i think healthy people need to do yeah and look at the difference you're making on in the world already with the kids, with your son, with your husband, with your life, with yourself. It is just a beautiful story. And I can't wait till your book comes out. This is going to be so cool. Well, thanks a lot. I really, really appreciate your support and encouragement. You're welcome. And Everybody, anybody that wants to definitely, you can ping us when Mary's book comes out. Um, we will most likely put it on our website so you can download it. And I'm really interested in this book. So definitely let us know when it does release. And I want to thank you so much, Mary, for being on the show today. I truly appreciate you. Thank you, Matt. I really am so glad to have met you. And thank you for having you on the show. You are so welcome. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you left inspired. 
Leave us a five-star review and begin following us on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, if you are diagnosed with MS and want to join a supportive community, come join us on Facebook in the Identity of MS private group. In the show notes will be a link to join the community. Remember, you are good enough to heal anything, and I hope you give yourself permission to heal.